Hello, everyone. Hi. We're bringing you another episode of Weird World Podcast. I'm Dean. I am Carrie. And we have no kids, so Sid's going to be unhappy with us. Sorry, We Sid. asked them. We did try. Yeah, they're just being, you know, kids. We'll get one of them back I don't know. These I think days. it's over. I think we are podcast <laughs> empty nesters now. <laughs> Today, Carrie is going to delight us with something. Delight? Yeah, well, maybe not delight. Wait a second. You've promised now some uplifting, <sighs> cheerful, yes. fair. Yes. Okay. Is this uh, cheerful? Uh, maybe not so cheerful, but uplifting. But is uplifting. Okay, yes. we'll there, for there that. is a very positive message in this hmm. podcast. Okay, okay, intrigue on several levels. I like it. However, there may be a warning or two, Ooh. and I'll give you a heads up when we get to Got it. territory. You mean unlike the Bloody Benders episode in which I just started talking about <laughs> the murder of children? Correct. Okay. All right. Because I'm a little bit more thoughtful and considerate than you are. I am not. <laughs> I thought about it after and felt bad. Leave. Well, here we go. Ready? Okay. Uh, we're going in the Wayback Machine to Christmas Eve 1971. Do you remember that year? <sighs> <laughs> I must, but I was a very small child. 17-year-old Julianne is on an airplane. <gasps> There's turbulence. She's sitting by the window and... As she's looking out the window, she can see bright... Please say a gremlin. And this is the... No. No. She sees bright white flashes of lightning. She's a little apprehensive. Her mom, however, is very calm. Does lightning knock out passenger jets? Does it knock out what? Passenger jets. Can lightning knock a jet airplane out of the sky? Well, I suppose it's not good if it hits the plane. Yeah. I haven't thought about that until now, so thank you. Because I've welcome. seen lightning on a plane, and I wasn't afraid. I know. Now I will be. So. Yeah, Appreciate I have it. too. Well, other people are not as calm as she is. People are panicking and screaming. Just from the lightning, or are they get, they're getting knocked around? Like There is turbulence. Okay. Things are flying out of the overhead bins. Have you ever been in that bad of turbulence where people were like audibly freaking out? Uh, Yeah, but not like screaming. I, I have. Just like I mean, gasping. and Yeah, okay. Yeah, I have had, I've seen people raise off the ground. I myself have, you know, with a, a loose enough seatbelt, have come out of my yeah. seat. And also, I've, I mean, people just, oh, oh, oh my God, you know, things yeah. like just all over the plane. It was. I, our flight brutal. to Jamaica was a little turbulent, that was as I recall. This one was actually a short flight, weirdly enough, down to, from Northern to Southern California, but it was just nonstop. I mean, and at one point, people were, like I said, just audibly were going, just sudden. Updrafts really? and downdrafts just suddenly falling and, and suddenly jumping, you know, rising yeah. too, which seems weird. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, no, I've never had that. And when we flew to Jamaica, I don't remember being very worried. I was younger mm. and not very apprehensive about air travel in those days. So this episode is about our air travel experiences, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Just stick on that. Okay. <laughs> well, also, your perspective on everything changes after you have kids. Yeah. <sighs> Yes, it does. Okay. Well, for mothers, I can't speak for fathers. <laughs> okay, people are panicking, screaming. Things are falling out of the overhead bins, Christmas presents, flowers, luggage. And then Julianne... So flowers seems odd in that list, but that's fine. Go ahead. Julianne sees Slinkies. lightning hit the wing of the airplane right outside of her window. 
And then she hears the very loud roar of the engines, so loud it's deafening. It's all she can hear. Hmm. And then suddenly it's silent. That's bad. She realizes she's still strapped into her airline seat and falling. Wait, she's not in the airplane? The way the, the whole plane is falling. The whole, well, she can see yeah. directly down. That's not, that means she's not in the airplane. From right? her seat. Unless the whole floor fell out. And she can see the tops of the trees coming very fast. Yeah. So she got ejected from the airplane somehow? And then. What the hell's happening? Nothing. What's happening? Carrie, what's happening? Are you going to cliffhanger us? Are you going to, are you going to tease? Is this a tease? This is a tease. Oh, you bastard. Are you, um, I'm, I'm, I'm do you want to know yes. what happens? I do. Well, we're going to go back to 1947 for a moment. Okay. Time and line started. Go. We are meeting an ecologist named Hans Wilhelm Kupke. Mm. Kupke, Kopke. Kopka. This is how I think you say <laughs> I it. It was three, but this K- is 47, so I'm going to say ex-Nazi. K-O-E-P-C-K-E. Definitely not a Nazi. Mm. Hans William, nice young man. Okay, He's sorry. a scientist. Oh, okay. Because the Nazis didn't have scientists. He's an ecologist. Okay. Not a very Nazi like. I don't know if there were ecologists back then, but I'll take your word of for it. Of course there were. Okay. At the University of Kiel, he meets a lovely woman named Maria von Mikulitz Radecki. Troop leader for Hitler Youth. Go on. No. She, they were both biology students. Maria's. PhD thesis dealt with the coloration of wild and domestic doves. <laughs> Therefore, she is a peace-loving woman. Those are the kind of dissertations people make fun of. Mm-hmm. And Hans Wilhelm's PhD thesis had to do with wood lice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you got to pick something. Uh, yeah. It's probably not going to be their lifelong work, not, but you know. Not everybody can study sharks. Correct. In 1948, Hans Wilhelm was offered a job with the Natural History Museum in Lima, Peru. Very wow. exciting. He yeah. thought, I would love to go study the flora and fauna. I don't know. What year was that again? In I'm Peru. Sorry. This is 1948. Okay. So the Peruvian government wanted to staff their museums and such with ex-Nazis. Go on. Well, didn't a lot of Nazis end up in South America? They did, which is making this a little more suspicious. No. Mostly Argentina. A lot of Argentina and yes. Chile, but still. No. Okay. I don't Sorry. talk about Sorry. them being Nazis. They were definitely not Nazis. Okay. I feel They're like... wonderful people. Okay. Because this was post-war, as you know, travel was very difficult for Europeans in general, but especially for Germans like Hans Wilhelm and Maria were. There apparently were no passports. What? Yeah. Did Germany passports... wasn't issuing passports? Yeah. Well, Germany at the time was ruled by the four allied nations, right. the four quarters there. So I guess they had to get a passport from one of those Probably. area you lived in. Yes, and they were not allowing huh. it, I suppose. It, Although what, passports? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Travel, I was going to say, but probably, probably, weren't a lot have, of people it, emigrating at this yeah, point, it must e- just including Germans? Really hard to get because they wanted to check if you were a Nazi and fleeing the country. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, and... Like they were. Visas were very hard to get. Which sure. it seems like if you didn't have a passport, <laughs> it would be impossible to get a visa. Hans was not to be deterred, deterred, or detoured. No, neither one. <laughs> he was that committed. He really wanted to take that job in Peru. I'm blaming him. He basically conned his way onto a transatlantic freighter 
And then once he landed, he was not in Lima. He had to basically walk. What? He, he had to cross Wait, mountains. What? Where did et it land? Cetera. I don't know. I'm not sure. Someplace across the Andes? Probably. I don't think that's a possibility, but go on. Let's just go ahead and believe uh, it. Yeah. Don't question it. Okay. He... Because, <laughs> you know, we're not flying to Lima. We're flying to somewhat jungle on <laughs> no, the other fly. side of the it was like, Andes. He, it was a transatlantic freighter. I thought it was a ship. Oh, so maybe he landed on the Correct. other, yeah. you know, the what, Atlantic side of South America and had to walk to the Pacific Probably. side. Okay. And he, he uh, managed to get arrested, ended up serving time in an Italian prison camp. Italian prison camp? Hold on. In Peru. You had him in South... Oh, in Peru. Wait. Isn't that weird? Italy I don't had know. an... I oh, guess. or was it Italian POWs? Probably. Oh. We had some POWs after the war, so maybe... In Peru? I, I don't know why they'd be in Peru, but... Or in South America somewhere. I yeah. don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I would have thought they had been repatriated by 48 now. Are we in 48? Yes-ish. Hmm. All right. Could be 49 by now. That's, that's interesting. It takes him a while. Some holes in your story, but that's fine. This that's is fine. a, well, this isn't the main gist of the story. This is just a, oh. like, quickity-quick aside quick, these to are tell quick, you how. Okay. I'm just <laughs> how making determined. It, I'm making it not quickity-quick by my constant interruptions. This is telling you the cut of the Kopka jib. Wow. That was good. That was well thought out. Thank you. After he gets out of the Italian prison camp, he stows away in a cargo ship going to Uruguay by burrowing into a pile of rock salt. Uh, wait, where was he? <laughs> you th- I thought you said he was in Peru. So he wouldn't go to Ur- Uruguay. That's on I don't know. the other side of South I, America. You know, I there was some confusing geography. I, I know. Here. And I didn't really. Are you sure the Italian prison wasn't this in Italy? Trip. Okay. Well, I assumed it was. In it, no, you well, said no, it was in Peru. He, it makes no I, sense. Well, I don't, yeah. I'm going to say he was The freighter, Italy. I don't know where the freighter I think it dropped docked, him off in Italy. So. And he got in prison there. <laughs> and then somehow he got to Uruguay. I don't think so. Now he's in South America. At least he's in the right continent. He's getting close. Uruguay, also a major, major destination point for you know, ex-Nazis. You're probably right. I, I probably am. So anyway. Can we record that? Oh, wait, we just did. <laughs> I said probably. Okay. And when it comes to geography and stuff like that, you're almost always right. So anyway, he ends up in Uruguay. Okay. It, all in all, takes him two years from the time huh. he left Germany to get to the Museum of whatever, Natural History in Lima. And uh, by then, you know, they hired someone else. What? <laughs> they didn't hold the job open for him. I sent you an acceptance letter, you guys. <laughs> I, did, I told you it'd take me a little while to get there. Well, he took a different job. Mm. Something about ichthyology. Fishies. Mm-hmm. And then Maria comes over in 1950, and she gets a job at the museum as well. She eventually runs the ornithology department because, as we know, she is a bird expert. She is a bird expert. She knows all about the colors of doves. In fact, Maria has four Peruvian species named after her. Wow. And there is a lava lizard named in honor of both of them, mm. the Microlophus coconium. <laughs> that was precisely <laughs> pronounced. It's good Latin. And Hans Wilhelm is remembered for his 1,684-page, two-volume okay. work Quote, life forms the basis of a universally valid biological theory. 1,700 pages. Uh, yeah, you yep. said, okay, so 
over 800 pages each volume. Mm-hmm. That's just being a dick at this point. I disagree. I am. It's it's egregious, Carrie. A universally valid biological theory. No, that's huge. I'm not I denying mean, that for a second. I, think I don't know what it means. Covers everything. Okay, still. You know what you get for Christmas. You need Christmas. to be succinct. I, I don't <laughs> want that. Oh, Jack, we get this for Jack for Christmas. Yes. yes. He's the biology lover. Well, Julianne, their only daughter, was born in Lima in 1954 while they were working at, they were both working at the museum. Then in 1968, they moved from Lima to a remote part of the forest in the middle of the jungle to study its plants and animals for five years. Still in, in Peru? Yes. Okay. They wanted to explore the rainforest without exploiting it. I like that. Mm-hmm. I, they don't sound like Nazis to me. I don't know why you've been saying that. <laughs> well, Julianne's 14. She's grown up till that point, living in Lima, enjoying her life. She went to a, I think she went to a... Montessori, please. I don't know. What, I, I, I shouldn't say. I don't really know what kind of school she went to. She spoke Spanish, but she also spoke German. Spoke with a German accent. Uh, and, Do Spanish in a German accent, Carrie. But, you know, she, I can't. <laughs> but, and yet you tried. English, by the way. But now say I can't in Spanish I, in a German I, accent. I literally can't. Say, como estas in a German accent. No. Como estas? She had friends and all that kind of stuff. That's um, good. Vibrant social life. Okay. She's <laughs> on TikTok. She had a lot of followers. She didn't want to go to the jungle. She thought, uh, uh, yeah. it's going to be boring. We're going to be yeah. isolated. What am I going to do? Lima's a big city. I know. That's a big, big difference. But her parents didn't really give her an option. She was 14. And when they got there, she changed her mind. It was she gorgeous. Loved she it. loved living in the jungle. And of course, she learned a lot. Her parents yeah. taught her a lot about living in the jungle. About doves and fish. They lived in their little outpost called Panguana. Panguana. P-A-N-G-U-A-N-A. Is that Pangea and Gondwana mashed up? It's named after an animal, a bird or a something. And they had a German shepherd named Lobo and a parakeet named Florian. Gary, the German shepherd was named Adolf. You're not fooling anyone. (laughs) Shut up. You noticed. What was the other animal? A parakeet. Named Benito. Named Florian. Florian. They lived in a wooden hut that was propped up on stilts. Stay out of the water, I guess? Floods and things like that? Probably. Okay. I mean, you know. Or jaguar. Probably got pretty rainy and wet and muddy. Yeah. And the roof was palm thatch. Very um, Swiss Family Robinson. Thank you for that little architectural sojourn. You're welcome. Into, okay. What were the interior walls manufactured from, may I ask? Was there... Wood. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure the interior and exterior were was, all wood. I wasn't sure. It could be drywall. No, nope, no drywall. No plaster. Anyway, Julianne was homeschooled, as you might imagine. She had very smart parents. Her textbooks and schoolwork were mailed to her, probably from Lima. But after two years, the educational authorities in Peru said, no, no, no. You got to go to school. Hmm. You gotta finish high school. So she's sixteen now. Yes, and they have she has to. She can't be homeschooled to her degree. She's actually already wow. What a 17 concept. By this point. So she had to go back to Lima, and I don't think I'm not positive. I don't think she had to go like take classes and stuff. I think she had to go take exams, mm, showing that okay. she could pass all of the the high school requirements. 
so she and her mom go to Lima. This is at the end of 1971. It's just before Christmas, and she passes everything, I'm sure, with flying colors. And she has a high school graduation ceremony. And I think, I believe it was December 21st was her graduation ceremony. 1968? 71. 71, I knew that. And 68 is when they moved to Panguana. That's right. So they were there. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. And then she and her mom are supposed to fly back to Panguana. I see what you're doing here. What am I doing? The dates. I'm, I'm, I'm tying it back to the earlier date. Go on. Okay. And... They want to get home in time for you know to spend Christmas with with their her father, and but Julianne you know she didn't really get to go to high school, mm-hmm. and she got to do the graduation ceremony, but there's a a graduation ball oh. on December twenty third in Lima, and she wants to hit that ball. She really you know wants to go to the ball. Okay, so her mom says, oh, okay, you know it's kind of a once in a lifetime event for Julianne, so she lets her do it, but. It was kind of hard to change their flight reservations because it was Christmas time, mm. and most of the flights were booked for people traveling for the holidays. From the jungle to Lima. <laughs> were there any flights? Where are they? From Lima to anywhere. No, wait. They're not in Lima, though, right? Yeah, they are in Lima. Oh, I thought she's flying to Lima. No, she's oh. in Lima. Okay. She's done her graduation. Where's she flying Goes to, to the ball. Back to Panguana. Oh, where there's a ball. The ball was in Panguana? No, the ball was in Lima, which is why they had to delay their flight back to Panguana. They hadn't accounted for the ball. Oh, I see. Just the graduation. So they stayed longer in Lima for the ball. Correct. Got it. Because they had to hit that ball. Let's not use that phrase anymore. I I never did. Only you did. So her mom... Relented and then had to scramble to get Mm -hmm. them on a flight back. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult. The only seats she could get available were on an airline called LANSA, L A N S A. It's an acronym. And this Latin American Nautological Airline. Boom, done. Got it. I can tell you what it is, but I'm not going to. I don't have it in my notes, and I don't feel like looking it up. It's fine. <laughs> oh, wait, I, I left an S out, didn't I? Damn it. I'll think of something. Go ahead. This airline didn't have a stellar reputation <laughs> for safety, and I think it had recently had a couple of crashes. Ooh. And it was the aeroflot of its day. Yeah. Her dad said, no, nah, I don't want you guys flying on that airline. Mm. You know, t- taken, you know, he didn't, he probably was saying, don't worry about being home for Christmas. Just, you know, get home safely. But they decided, nah, it'll be fine. We can take that flight. So they. It was the Spirit Airlines of the 1970s. Probably. So they get on Lanza Flight 508 because they really wanted to make it home in time. Big red flag mm. should have been that the airplane was seven hours late. Ooh, that's, that's very there. late. Yeah, and they say things like we had some mechanical issues. Remember when they used to say they had mechanical yes. issues when the flight was delayed? Don't ever mm-hmm. say that. That's a they don't anymore, but they used to. Yeah, I know. That's insane that ever happened. Now you know what the engine sounded a little rough on the way in, but we think we fixed it. Hop on. Well, this flight was going from Lima to Pucaipa, maybe. There's a double L in there, so. Which is a port city. So I didn't city. hear any L's, but... Uh, it's a double L, oh, so in okay, Spanish, gotcha, that's a gotcha. Y. 
so it's a port city on the Ukayali River. <laughs> and from there, they would travel to Panguana, obviously. It Panguana is phenomenal to hear you struggle airport. with place names in South America. I feel I like it. I'm doing just fine. Where, what country? Is all the, within Peru? I'm assuming okay. so, yes. The flight was only supposed to last about an hour. Oh, okay. It was a short, short little flight. But into the jungle, over mountains, yes. over the mm-hmm. Andes. Okay. Yeah, definitely over the, the jungle. I don't okay. know about the Andes, but... It would be over the Andes. Okay. It was supposed to be a short flight. Yeah. About 25 minutes after takeoff, the plane was <sighs> flying into the thunderstorm <sighs> and began to shake. Rattle. And roll. Yeah. No, uh, that's terrible. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> okay. Julianne said, you know, her mom was sitting beside her. Her mom was always a very calm person and said something like, hopefully this all goes well. Okay. <laughs> they were seated in the very back row. And like I said, Julianne was in the window seat. Her mother was next to her. And Julianne's words, there was an obese man sitting next to her mom. No, no beast man? Obese. Oh, okay. Large An, oh, person. Okay. A large, okay. When Julianne saw the lightning strike the wing, she heard her mother say, now it's all over. Oh, my God. Not what a mother should say. They were holding hands. Yeah. This is when people were crying and screaming. Oh, my God. And then it suddenly went silent. So the silence. And then you said earlier that she hears a deafening roar of the engines. And that implies mm-hmm. that, she, okay, so she's out of the airplane, right? The fuselage muffles the sound of the engine. So... The deafening more was that her coming out of the airplanes and, and well, being near the engines without the you know probably. fuselage between her I mean, and the... Basically, the airplane broke apart. Okay. In, in air, okay. In, in, in the air, because that's how she Ugh. is. When she's falling, she can see straight down. <sighs> There's no plane in front of her. The way she describes it as she didn't leave the plane, the plane left her. Wow. The fact that you're saying the way she des- describes it tells us what's going to happen mm-hmm. here. Well, I just don't know how it's going to happen. Correct. So, <gasps> did she use the obese man to land on it? This? <laughs> Dean. Oh, sorry. Too soon? I don't know. She said the treetops looked like the head, you know, the tops of broccoli. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. Then yeah. she blacked out. So, she's in the air. The plane has just crumbled around her. She's literally in thousands of feet, presumably. 10,000 feet. 10,000 feet. Which is about two miles. Oh, in the air. Damn. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's difficult to breathe. No. Nah. You don't think? I mean, you breathe. Okay. You've well, been higher than 10. You've been much higher than 10,000 feet. It's probably difficult to breathe when you're zooming very fast. Well, sure. But you've skied at higher altitudes than that. So you've been higher than Well, that. anyway, she I does think. black well, out probably, yeah. for whatever reason. At least that high. Okay. So she blacks. Well, yeah. She is still strapped that. to her seat at this point. And as she falls, her seats are, you know, the, the, it's three seats, you know, connected together. Mm-hmm. That's her row of seats spinning mm-hmm. as she's falling, basically upside down or, you know, face down yeah. for her. And apparently her fall was cushioned by the trees. The row of seats, you know, she fell in the row of seats, yeah. and it was cushioned by the trees. So she's got two empty seats on either side of her. She's oh, in the oh, window oh, she's seat. In, so she's seat. on so she the had end. Two empty seats next to her. Yeah. One where her mom was, and one where the large guy was. Yes. And they're I don't not there think any longer. She was. I don't think as she was falling, she was conscious of. Well, she. 
I think she knew she was alone. I'm not sure. I don't know if she knew she was alone or not. That implies that they that she had her seatbelt on and they did not, I guess. Yeah, possibly. Hmm. So as I said, she wakes up lying down underneath something. She's in the fetal position. She was unconscious all afternoon. I think the flight Hmm. left around noon. So they crashed sometime before 1 p.m. She's wearing a watch and it's Hmm. still working. She wakes up at 9 o'clock the next morning. She needs to do a commercial for that watch company. <laughs> so she was unconscious all afternoon, all night, God and Lord. in the morning. Are you going to get into the nine m- o'clock. medical? I mean, how the hell did she survive that? Are you going to talk about that? I'm assuming you're going to. Yeah. The, okay. Well, how she survived the, the crash and the impact. How? Well, how do you do that? I don't it, care if you're cushioned by the canopy of trees. That's still... what they think. They, well, she was still strapped into her seat, so her seatbelt is what kept her in the seat, yeah, obviously. Okay. And then they think the updraft of the storm, there was an updraft from the storm, and the fact that she was still in the seats, I think she was aware of it kind of rotating, spinning. Yeah. And so you know how like the little, she likened it to like the little maple leaf um, yeah. seeds or whatever as they spin as they go down. Yeah. I mean... You're, sh- I, you're shrugging like that should mean something that should save her somehow. Huh? It isn't like a parachute. Well, because... Well, those we, are leaves and they're, they, you know, they're light know. and they and they have parachute-like volume to there or spread out. Correct. But she's not. Not really. No. But this is what they said. The updraft of the storm, the, the very dense... I mean, this isn't like a tree here and there. It is very dense. I know. No. Amazon the, rainforest. Sure, but it's not like it's a... You're still falling 10,000 yeah, feet. Yeah, she know. did. She, her injuries were surprisingly minor. She had a concussion. She had a broken collarbone. And she could tell that it was broken because it was crooked. But she said, you know, there was nothing breaking the skin or everything okay. like that. Anything like that. Uh, she had an injured knee. She had like a ruptured ligament or whatever, Ooh. a sprained knee. But she could still walk. And she had uh, gashes on her right shoulder and left calf. Probably the worst for her in her situation was one eye was swollen shut, mm. and in the other eye, her field of vision was narrowed to just a slit. Oh. She was also very nearsighted, and her glasses were gone. Mm-mm. So she had no glasses. And Let that be a lesson. You always bring a spare pair of glasses. Well, which would be gone. And they'd be so fine. They'd be fine. She was wearing a sleeveless mini dress. A la hmm. 1971, and she was wearing sandals, and one of the sandals was missing. Hmm. So she's wearing a sleeveless mini dress and one sandal, and she can't see very well. It was also the rainy season, so she was soaking wet and covered with mud. She figures it had probably been raining off and on all night long. When she woke up, she realized she was under the seats. Oh, so okay. at probably impact or whatever falling through the trees she ended she became unbuckled and landed on the ground while she was laying there she could hear birds and frogs and insects all sounds that she was familiar with and recognized from living in panguana and it was at this point she realized she was all alone yeah completely alone no debris even nothing well i'm sure there was debris around not a ton. It was this was not the the main yeah. part of the plane wreckage. This was just her portion of the seats. Hmm. 
but and no bodies. No, no other okay. bodies around her. That she, she could see, but she could see That she could well, see. So. She tried calling out for her mom, but, you know, got no answer from anybody. So there she was, all alone, no glasses. Can't see anyway, out of one eye and barely out of the other. She's, one shoe, and she was able to find a small bag of candy uh, to eat. Nutritious. This was all written on tree bark because she died, right? Because <laughs> this is nuts. <laughs> she didn't say she had a pen with her. Because of her experience living in the jungle, which was very lucky for her, mm. I would have stayed curled up in a fetal position and waited for somebody to find me. No, you wouldn't. If you know there's no one around you, you'd at least try to walk. <sighs> I bet you would. Well, you know what anyway, they say. The, the smartest thing would be to stay with the wreckage because they're going to be looking for yeah, you. Yeah, but you said she's not really near the main wreckage. If I found like the main I wreckage know. and I thought that's where the uh, orange black box was, I'd stay with that probably, yes. Correct. When I was 14... I, I can't imagine how dumb I would have been and what I would have done. But you look cute in a sleeveless mini dress, and I'm imagining. I probably shouldn't imagine. That sounds creepy no, you when I'm married to you. But uh, she's 17 by this oh, point, fine. so that's I don't fine. know why oh, I was 14. So that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't much smarter when I was 17 either. So anyway, so she knew what animals were in the jungle. I'm going to list some of the scary ones, the I jaguar. think. jaguar. Eight-foot-long caimans. Oh, yeah. Which are like... Alligators, alligators, crocodiles, mm-hmm. kind of things. Poisonous snakes and sure, spiders. Sure, sure, sure. Bees, mosquitoes. These aren't scary Bees, ones, but still, they would be <laughs> annoying. Bees and mosquitoes. Loud frogs, salamanders, and the occasional. River stingrays with mm. barbed, venomous tails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would lash out Can't at help you. Can't help noticing you're not mentioning jaguars. You should probably mention jaguars. Oh, well, they're I there. I don't read anything about jaguars. I would think so, wouldn't you think? In the Amazon, this is the Peruvian Amazon. I would think they'd be yeah. there. Yeah. And also, one thing said that she knew or she had learned, you know, find water, mm-hmm. river, or, you know, yeah. a little whatever going Drink to Drink it, get Girardi, and go, die. Going to a, the, a river. Uh-huh. Well, and follow it. Yes. Because follow it down. Yes. That's where you will find Civilization. people mm-hmm. somewhere. She also said that she knew that, I guess, the Cayman won't attack people. See, okay, you know, when I, I was in know. Costa Rica. <laughs> I know. Have I ever told I, I, I know you know the story, but I was in Costa yeah. Rica, and we went we, we were well into the jungle, and our guide, three of us, four of us actually, I was with two friends, we had another a guy, and we, she said, we're going to follow the trail back. You know, if you want, you can just go down the river. The trailhead would meet the river eventually back again. Yeah. So we went down the river, and it's like, and then she it branches off, and she's higher than us, and we're we're down just uh, enough so we had, we couldn't really go back to where the trail and the river met. We're now we've made our choice, and she says, "By the way, there's caiman here, but they won't attack you, See? probably." <laughs> Yeah, well, no, they're there. Yeah, so okay, so naturally, yeah. and uh, was scared shitless too. the entire time, and um, it was well, not fun. Was so not. she she walked through the water. She also, yeah, I, you know, I'm still not going to trust the eight foot came and won't attack me because it could. Well, she was more worried about snakes. Yeah, on land, and she said oh, there are snakes yeah. there that look like dried leaves. Oh, so so does she go in the river to follow it, or does she yeah. try to go along? Because yeah. you kind of have to. We it's it's very hard. Yeah, in rainforest. To follow the size of the river. It's very, very yeah. difficult. She, I think she was walking through it. And she also, remember, she can't see well. Yeah. So it's probably a lot harder to navigate the land <sighs> and 
not um, yeah. trip over tree roots and you yeah, know vegetation yeah. and all that kind of so stuff. So is she walking or swimming? Is it shallow enough where she can walk? Uh, she's probably doing both. Okay. I think she starts out and it's like a very thin little you know okay. creek so or whatever, she, which implies she's at the source. It's yeah, well, it's going to broaden and widen yeah. and deepen. I'm sure. Yes. Okay. It's also like I said, the middle of the the wet rainy season, so there's no fruit. Readily available oh, for sucks. her to pick and eat. No dry kindling. Everything is wet, so she can't make a fire if mm. she even had a way to start a fire. And then the only thing she had to drink was river water. And, and you got to be careful of that, too. Yeah, and she had finished the candy oh. <laughs> at some point. No more lemon so heads? she didn't have anything else. Terrible. And she could hear airplanes flying overhead, but no. she can't see them through the canopy of the forest. They for sure can't see her. She's assuming they can't see her either. So she's just got to keep going. Yeah. She knows what she's got to do, and she's going to do it. On the fourth day... I am forever now going to fly every plane trip with a flare gun for now on, yeah. just in case. Even in though, your pocket. Yes. Which you won't get past security, That's, but I'll, I'll good see luck. what I can do. <laughs> and if I'm flying to Burbank, I'm going to have a flare gun in case I'll I go you, down outside of Fresno. Uh, you know what you should what? have in your pocket? What? A mirror. Lemonheads? Oh, a mirror. Why? Yep. SOS signal. Uh, they could, you know, I, I don't know how that is going to get through the trees, uh, but some article or something I read in conjunction with this story, somebody said, or maybe it was a different um, plane crash, but whatever. Okay. A, little, a little pocket mirror. Or a flare gun. But, mm-hmm. okay. Well, Dean, you're not getting a flare gun on an airplane. You, you watch me. Okay. Okay, I will. In jail <laughs> after I'm arrested for having a flare gun. Exactly. Fourth day. She can hear sounds of, because she knows everything about everything, especially birds. Okay. She can hear a king vulture landing. Oh. She knows what that sounds like. Okay. Which also means she knows that it had found carrion nearby. Yeah, so she's going to go get a meal, isn't she? Which means there are probably victims of her plane crash. Oh, I was thinking. Nearby. Oh, gross. I That's was what thinking, she's thinking. Okay. I was thinking she's going to go, I'll go steal that meal and eat it. No. You know, dead animal. No, that's not okay. what she's thinking. Damn it. Okay, this is a little warning. If you don't want to hear something bad, fast forward about 10 seconds or so. Okay. About this time, right after she hears that, she comes upon some of the wreckage, including three people in a seat mm-hmm. who landed head down. Uh, their top parts of their body Embedded in the ground Ugh. because that's how they landed, obviously with some amount of force. Yeah, it was horrifying. Yeah, but and she, she saw she sees one of their hands move because they're still alive. No, okay. they are definitely not still alive. Zombies. One of them, at least, was definitely a woman, mm. and she had to know if it was her mom. Oh, she's just go check. So she didn't want to touch. It was the first time she'd ever seen a dead body. She's horrified. She, and she doesn't want to touch a dead body. So she gets a stick and she uses it to, to turn the woman's foot. And she can mm-hmm. see that the woman has painted toenails. Mm-hmm. She knows it's not her mom because her mom never painted her toenails. By the way, if you just fast forward, just keep fast forwarding again. Go ahead. She's relieved. You said 10 seconds, which is uh, well. much not nearly enough. But go ahead. <laughs> she's relieved. And then she feels horrible that she's relieved that mm. it's not her mom because it's somebody else. <sighs> so... On the 10th day of walking through the jungle, about this time... Oh, actually... Oh, my God. She has to be 
she's not eating anything? I, I mean, think eat- with that's what I was going to say. With that wreckage, I think she finds like some kind of cake or something. Okay. And she, tr- you know, she tries it and it's inedible. She can't oh, eat it. Oh, it's, I would eat it. It's horrible. She doesn't. I don't care. I know. So, yeah. So, 10th day. It's cake. You know the alternative in South American plane crashes to cake, don't you? It's not I don't want to. I don't want to. Okay, about. well. She's having a hard time by this time, even standing. So I think she's drifting down mm, the river as okay. best she can. And she sees a boat. It's a large <gasps> boat. And she's probably even maybe semi-conscious at this point. She thinks she's hallucinating. She, she sees the boat, but she's not sure that the boat is really there. So she makes her way over to it and touches it, and it's a real boat. So she says at that point, she just has like a rush of adrenaline because she realizes there's people. There's got to be people nearby. They're and drug smugglers and slavers. Oh, my God. This is what that's going to... She's going to end up in, in Turkey. <laughs> no. Oh. Turkey? I don't know why. I just bagged on Turkey. I meant to say Albania because I've seen Taken. Okay. Well, she sees a little trail leading through the jungle mm-hmm. and thinks, great, that's where the people are. So she follows it. And she wait, wait, wait. She finds a boat, but no one's on the boat? Correct. Okay. It's just a boat. So it's moored, I guess, to the river yes. side? Okay. Yeah. And she says it's a large boat. Oh, yeah. And so then she sees the little I'm, trail. When you go in the, I don't go in the boat and wait for, they got to come back to the boat, you'd think? Can well, she, she get goes on? to the trail and finds a hut. Oh, okay. All right. She sees a hut, a little hut, an outboard motor, so mm. they took the motor off the boat, apparently, and some gasoline. Is she going to steal a boat? Gross warning. Gross warning, okay. If you don't like to hear things. That are gross. Yes. Uh, Fast forward 30 seconds or so. Okay. She had a wound on her arm. (gasps) Remember that we talked about earlier. She realized at this point it's infested with maggots. That's not that gross. That's good. You want that, right? Uh, Uh, Again, through the movies... This, in this case, um, Maximus, mm-hmm. what the hell is that movie again? I don't know. The gla- Gladiator. In this case, the Gladiator, he says, no, 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 no. You need the maggots there. I know. But I would be horrified and I would want the maggots out of my arm. Mm. She remembered. I'd put them in other parts of my body just to clean everything. It's like a shower. <sighs> Gross. Some maggot bath. She remembered one time their dog had a similar wound that had maggots in it and her father cleaned it out with kerosene. So she sucked some gasoline out of the can and used it on her own wound so that the you know the maggots are going to leave the wound to, to yeah. escape the gasoline. Yeah. It didn't work that easily. And the maggots, and love the maggots were gasoline. trying to burrow further down, Ew, uh, probably to escape the magazine. No. She ended up having to pick them out herself, like 30 maggots out of her arm. If you could see Carrie's face right now. She said she was very proud of herself. <laughs> I'm surprised you, Carrie has not vomited yet. But yeah. I'm pretty proud of her, too. And I'm proud I'm of you. I'm actually, you know, I would be horrified. You're the hero here, But Carrie. I am not all that grossed out by maggots, to be okay. honest. Okay, well, you're changing. You're, that's fine. But I recognize that that would be difficult for others to listen to. Yes, okay. There's nobody around. See, that's weird. There are no people there. So she goes in the hut to go to sleep. Yeah. And she's going to worry about you it. You got to figure out. Yeah. What if it's like, oh, it's the rainy season? But they took the outboard motor. Where would they have gone? They're there somewhere. They're it's probably out in the jungle doing Hunting. whatever they're there to do. Killing monkeys for food. Well, she wakes up. She f- falls asleep, mm-hmm. but she wasn't asleep all night long. She wakes up. Is this the story of the three? Is it Goldilocks? <laughs> no. Okay. To hear men's voices. To her, they sounded like angels. And when they saw her, Blonde, you know, mm-hmm. white girl. 
they with thought maggots. They or without thought maggots, but she, yeah, they thought she was a kind of water goddess. Okay. <laughs> which, from a local legend, it's a water dolphin, white-skinned blonde woman hybrid. <laughs> That's weird. How is that not a weird bit? <laughs> it might one day be. I know. Hold on, I'm writing that down. So, blonde water dolphin. Water so, goddess. Water goddess. In Peru. Well, it turns out. I, I'm picturing a dolphin with a wig on and. <laughs> White skin. Like a, and a mini skirt. She spoke Spanish, as I said. So, she told them what her name was and what had happened to her. They were forest workers. Mm. So they treated her wounds, gave her something to eat, and then more candy. The next morning, they took her to a village. They gave her cake and they said, We found this in a plane. You're going to love it. (laughs) Oh my God, Dean. My bad. They took her to a village where uh, there she was airlifted to a hospital. God. 11 days. 11 days. That's, yeah, you can can live like 30 days without food. And she had water. So. Three days without water, it's like five days without food, right? It's, yes. No, 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 no. It's like three, three, three. Three minutes without air, three hours without something else. Or <laughs> three days without water, water, 30 days without food. You can live up to, I mean, oh, you, I wouldn't test I mean, it, but you could. Wow. A healthy person. Yeah. She was obviously healthy. You can be in bad shape at that 30 yeah. days, but yeah. She was slim. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, she survived 11 days with just candy and water. So the day after that, the day after she got to the hospital, she finally sees her father, who, as you could imagine, is overjoyed that his daughter is found alive. And over the next few days, he's frantically searching for news of her mother, something about her mother. And Julianne actually helps the authorities locate the wreckage. And re- so they can recover bodies. And her mother's body is located on January 12th. Hmm. And somehow they determined that her mother had survived the crash just like she had, but that she was very badly injured and wasn't able to move. I don't know how she was found. And that she died several days later. Oh my God. Yeah. Never moving, just hanging yeah. on wherever she landed. Yeah. So Julianne is very much haunted by, you know, the thought mm. of her mother surviving and then dying. Yeah, she could have shared her candy with her. It's terrible. I know. They think, actually, that there were 14 survivors of the initial plane crash. So they found all the bodies, and 14 seemed like they lived for a while. Yeah. Didn't die. Okay. Yeah, for some reason. I'm not even positive they found all the bodies, to be oh, honest. Oh, really? Yeah. So... There could be other survivors. They just no, I don't decided so. to live in the jungle Maybe for the rest did. of their lives and never told anyone. This is the worst. Um, so she, how many total people were on the plane? I, like, I think 91 or 2 or 3. And she was it. She's a sole survivor. 86 passengers, I believe. And then the rest were crew. Hmm. So it wasn't a huge plane. Yeah. still, it, it, It's the highest death toll for a, a, soul. a lightning uh, a plane hit by lightning in the air. Is it the highest death toll for a soul survivor? I don't know. There's been other soul survivors. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know the answer to that question. So she, uh, you know, she recovers a little bit. Then she and her father return to Germany so that she can fully recover. 
And she ends up going to the same university her parents did. And she also gets her PhD in biology and becomes an eminent zoologist. Oh. What does she study? Is it moth wings? Is it any? Uh, bats, I bats. believe. She's a mammologist. Oh. But yeah, she is very fascinated by bats. She marries an entomologist who studies parasitic wasps, mm. which is They're kind of interesting. They're not coming back to the jungle, are they? His name's Eric Diller, so they're both Dr. Dillers. She does go back to Peru. It was probably pretty difficult, and it was a hard decision for her to make. It was difficult for her to get on an airplane and go back to Peru. But in 1981, she spent 18 months at the actual station that her parents had founded while researching her graduate thesis on diurnal butterflies. Mm. Did I kind of call it with the moths? I kind of did. And her doctoral dissertation on bats. Mm. And then in 2000, her dad dies, and she takes over as the director of Panguana, and she's the primary organizer of international expeditions to the refuge. Oh. Yeah. And does she ever fly to Lima? Because I would not... (laughs) Well, probably. I would drive. I would wait until they built roads. Well, she said that when she was hiking back to civilization, mm-hmm. after her crash, she made a vow that if she survived... I will never eat another lemon head. Nope. That she would devote her life to a meaningful cause that served nature and humanity. And she chose bats. Well, and also the Amazon rainforest. Okay, got it. Got it, got it. It was Penguana, the research station that her parents founded was the oldest biological research station in Peru. And starting in the 1970s, so while you know she was still there, Julianne and her father lobbied the government to protect that area from clearing, hunting, and colonization. That's good. Yes. And then in 2011, the newly minted Ministry of Environment declared Panguana a private conservation area. And so they wanted to acquire adjacent lands, mm-hmm. you know, to protect them too. They were getting sponsors from abroad. And one of the Jerry, main... A woman, a lady, something. <laughs> don't use that kind of terms. But Let's say Europe. Okay. One of the main supporters of this is a bakery chain based in Munich. I was really hoping it was Bimbo Bakery in Mexico. No, it's called... I'm not going to try to say it. It starts with oh, Please say it. Please. Please. <laughs> Hoff, Hoff Pifistery. Yeah. Oh, spot on. Um, well, thanks to Hoff Pifistery. <laughs> it's getting worse. <laughs> and I'm sure they have other donors. They were able to expand the property from the original 445 acres to 4,000. Wow. Nice. Yes. Very good. While she was working on her dissertation, she documented 52 species of bats at the reserve. They now know it's, they know of 56. And in contrast to that, there are only 27 species in the entire continent of Europe. Bats? Yep. Yeah. That's not surprising. I'm surprised it's 27. After the crash, she kind of stayed away from the media because she didn't really like some of their practices. What do you mean? Was it a big story? Was it like an it was international a huge, it was a, it was, Yes, it was okay. an international story. She didn't like the attention in the first place. I mean, mm. think of how she grew up. 
it makes sense that she didn't like all the attention, but she was also bothered by some of the stories that were coming out and how she was depicted. What do you mean? In Life magazine in 1972, they reported that she had built a raft of vines and branches. Oh, so they just made shit that, up. Exactly. Hmm. And a German, I guess it's a magazine called Stern, had that's her... A huge, that's the number one daily news magazine. Really? Well, Life, weekly Life is pretty big, Life too. Life is humongous. Yeah. So these are two major, major media. Yeah. Stern, I'd never heard of Stern, but they said that she was she feasted on a cake she found in the wreckage <laughs> and, I guess, implied... They did do an interview with her while mm. she was recovering, but they implied that she was arrogant and unfeeling. Wow. Yeah. I mean, why Jesus would they? So stern. she didn't feel like talking to them. So they probably, yep. And, you know, she might have mentioned the cake that yeah. was horrible or whatever. And Oh, you know yeah. why? Because Der Stern is a German magazine and it was German chocolate cake and they felt offended <laughs> by her not liking that cake. That's my theory. Well, chances are it was not a German chocolate cake. There was also a, a very cheesy Italian movie made in 1974. <laughs> the title in English is Miracles Still Happen, and they said it portrayed her as a hysterical dingbat. Really? I thought they are going like, to make it like super sexy, and she's running around the jungle half naked and things like that. I don't know. She was portrayed by a British actress, somebody I'd never heard of. Then in 1998... Dame Judy Dance. No. no. Pen, Pen Halligan or something was Never. the last name. I don't remember that the first name. Like a, that sounds like a German bakery. Maybe Sharon or something like that. But anyway, in 1998, Julianne was apport, approached by Werner Herzog. <gasps> he loved to make movies in South America. Yeah. A famous movie director who, as you just alluded to, he made movies in South America. Mm-hmm. And in 1971, he was in Peru, I think, scouting locations or whatever for Aguirre, um, about, I don't know, a Spanish conquistador or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's called Aguirre, the Wrath of God. And he was in the airport in Lima on Christmas Eve, wow. 1971, and he had a ticket <gasps> on her what? flight. He was supposed to oh, be on to that flight. Oh, to go into the jungle. Okay. And, uh, and at the wow. last minute, there was some sort of schedule change, mm. and he ended up not taking that flight. So after that, obviously, he was a little bit fixated on that flight mm-hmm. and Julianne because it was a huge story. So he contacted her with the idea of filming a documentary. So but that to, was into what year? That was 98. So he's 27 years to do yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Okay. She goes with him back to, she had already been back, but mm-hmm. she goes back again. And, but this time, you know, she's, they go to find the wreckage uh-huh. and everything. So they do trek through the, the jungle and kind of recreate her walk back out of the crash site. Uh-huh. So they do the, I looked for it. I couldn't find it on any of the streaming services, but it is on YouTube. It, the documentary? Uh-huh. What's it called? Uh, Wings of Hope. Wings of Hope. Mm-hmm. So it is available to watch on YouTube. It is pretty interesting. Um, the, you know, there are parts where, I mean, this kind of tells you how, how comfortable she is in the jungle. There are bugs all over her. <laughs> and she's just going about her business, and they do close-up of her hands and arms with just bugs uh, all over. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Oof. And she's she speaks Spanish and German, and then there's a translator you know, dubbing it her 
stuff into English. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Her stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> her words. I don't know. Stuff. Her no, lines. You know, They're not lines. That's good. She, I think it was difficult for her to do, but it was also therapeutic for her. She wrote her own account of her experiences in a book called When I Fell from the Sky. Mm, I thought it was going to be called Let Them Eat Cake. That would have been... Nope. Somehow. When I Fell from the Sky, published in 2011, and it won the Corinne Literature Prize mm, in 2011. That's impressive for not ever having heard of that. Well, I think it's a, it's a German award. Okay. And the government of Peru awarded her the Order of Merit for Distinguished Services in the Degree of Grand Officer. That sounds good. Again, I'm sure don't it's know what it is, but it sounds very prestigious. Yeah, so is. I think they like her in Peru. Mm. And I'm pretty sure they like her in German. Yeah. Knee. Sounds like they do. <laughs> sounds like they except for Stern. Der Stern is not a big fan. At least. Yeah. But you know. So anyway. They also published Hitler's diary, so hmm. that she was has, embarrassing. She has retired from her position as the director of some zoological thing in Germany. I don't know still living a good life? Now. She's still yeah, alive I, as of today? I believe she as is. Of 2022. That's impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Damn. Amazing. Amazing story. I still, I would love to hear, if you're a doctor or coroner yeah. <laughs> or something, how do you physically survive a 10,000 foot fall? I don't care if you're twirling. Yeah. I don't care if it's a really fluffy trees that you're landing <laughs> on. You're at terminal velocity. I just don't understand how I you know. can possibly survive that. Yeah. Is that the is that the highest height someone's ever survived? I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, I would look that up. Yeah. someone look that up and tell us because we're not going to do it. Obviously, well, I can look it up. No, I will post pictures of her falling. No, yeah, actually, video. there there are pictures online of her at the um the ball. You know, all dressed uh, up. Going when to she the hit ball. the ball, we said we weren't going to say that phrase again. And, and um, and then you know, pictures of her, you know, in her little dress and everything. Damn. I know. Amazing. That's an amazing story of survival, Carrie. It is an amazing story. That is uplifting. Story. Thank you. I know. Sure, it her is. mother died a horrific death, but still, otherwise, besides that, and there were maggots. There were maggots involved in the story. She did. But besides the death and the maggots. But also, pretty... her mother can be credited for her surviving because her mother taught her yes. everything about the jungle. The jungle and her dad. And, yeah, both. Taught about the jungle, and that helped her live. It Absolutely did. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. Appreciate that uplifting, ultimately <laughs> uplifting story that you tell us there. It's a good one. It is. You're keeping your word, more mm-hmm. or less. Yep. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Until next time, this is, as you know, the, the Word Weird World, World Podcast. Podcast. See you later. Thanks for listening. Bye.